0: Hello everyone, I'm Jonathan Schuler, and welcome to the Fortress of Truth, where we look into the perfect law of liberty and continue therein by the grace of God. Jesus said, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Praise the Lord. We saw this last time, but out of 3 John, it says, the, uh, John was writing, and under the inspiration of the Spirit, he said, I, I have no greater joy than to see my children walk in the truth. So yes, this is John. The, he was the man who penned that. But the Holy Spirit was inspiring him to write that. So we can take that as God saying that to us, that he has no greater joy than to see his children walk Walk in the truth. That's why it's so important that we continue in the Word of God and renew our mind to the truth so that we can walk out the truth and be in a place to receive all that God has for us. This glorifies Him, and it gives Him pleasure to bless us. Psalm 35 says, that God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. That just simply means that when we're doing well, when we're succeeding, God is happy. Well, it makes sense. We are his children. He is our father. Aren't you happy when your children are doing well? You, you're never A good parent doesn't sit around hoping that their children fail, you know, and, they, and that they don't succeed and they don't do well. Well, where do you think we got that from? We got that from our Heavenly Father. He is the ultimate good Father, and He takes pleasure in our success and our well-being, and He has no greater joy than to see us walking in His truth, the truth of the Word of God. And that truth makes us free. Glory to God. Well, we've been looking in 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to look there again today. We're talking about stirring it up. That's our title of our series, Stir It Up. We're getting stirred up about stirring it up for Jesus. 2 Timothy 1 verse 3 I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers, night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, that is, genuine faith, real faith, that's in you, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. It's in you also. Verse six. Wherefore, because I know you have that genuine faith, you really trust God, you really believe in God, because of that, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God doesn't want us to be timid and drawing back and shrinking back. He wants us to be stirred up. Amen. He wants us to be on fire for him. He wants us to be a light. Jesus said in Matthew 5, he said, he likened us, his disciples, his followers in the earth, He likened us to a city on a hill or a lamp on a lampstand. And he says, when you have a light, you don't put it under a bowl or a basket or you don't hide it. You put it on a lampstand and it gives light to everybody in the house. It's a benefit. It allows you to see. And then he calls us the light of the world. And he says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We are, as believers, we are lights in the world. Now, the world around us is dark. There there are things going on in the world that aren't good and some things that are just downright bad but everywhere that we go and this is something that we need to renew our mind to everywhere that we go if you're a believer if you've accepted Jesus and made him the lord of your life everywhere you go god goes everything you do god's right there everything you say that could be poten- that has the potential to be God speaking to someone else. Now, I'm not saying that you're God. I'm saying God is with you. And God can use us if we yield ourselves to him. He can minister to people anywhere that we are. If we're yielded to him, if we're sensitive to his leading, then he can prompt us and and give us, just touch us on the inside and say, say this. This will bless them. Or stay away from that topic. They, they don't need to talk about that right now. You know, or he might, he might impress upon us, pray for them. You know, he, and he may not even tell us to say anything to them directly. He may just tell us to pray for them when we're back home, you know, on our own. And he he said, he might say, I'm working on their heart. Pray for him. Jesus said he gave a parable about a harvest and um, that there weren't very many workers to go into the harvest field and get in the grain. And, And he was likening that to the world. There are plenty of people out in the world that God is working on them, moving them towards accepting Jesus He says the harvest is ready, but the laborers are few. There's few people who, not very many people who are sensitive enough to the leading of the Lord and paying attention to him that he can tap on the shoulder and say, hey, go harvest that one over there. Go talk to them about the Lord. Go pray with them. Go minister to them. Why is that? Some some people are just too busy. Other people don't care. Ah, but there's a few of us and I believe I'm talking to some that we care about other people. And it matters to us that God uses us. Is that right? Am I talking about you? Praise the Lord. The Lord can use us and He can minister to people through us. It says in Ephesians 1 that Christ is the head of the church and the church is his body. We are his hands and feet in the earth today. I'll give you this example. The Lord showed me, taught it to me this way. So if I have my Bible sitting on a table somewhere, my head is in charge of my body. Okay, all the decisions come from my head. What I'm going to do, what I'm not going to do, what I'm going to say, what I'm not going to say, where I'm going to go, where I'm going to stay. All of that comes from my head and it sends instructions to the rest of my body. And then it's up to my body to act on it, to act on those instructions. So say I have my Bible sitting on a table somewhere. My head could say, hand, pick up that Bible. Well, now at this point, with my head giving that instruction, that is all that my head can do. My head can't get down on the table and pick up the Bible. It's just not going to work. Not physically possible. It's up to my hand to pay attention to the instructions my head just gave it and then to act on it. Now, praise the Lord, I have a good, healthy body and all of my body parts always do exactly what my head tells them to do. And you can speak that over your own body too. But if, if my hand, if the connection was interrupted between my head and my hand and something was off and my hand didn't obey what my head told it to do, then my head is kind of stuck. It can't do what it wanted my hand to do itself. It has to use my hand. Well, in the same way, Jesus is the head of the church. He's the one who gives us, believers, instructions, tells us what to do, where to go, what to say. But it's up to us to obey him. It's up to us to do what he tells us to do, to do our part. I can't minister to someone and touch their heart from myself, but God can. God knows exactly where everyone is at and he knows exactly what everyone needs to hear. to to build them up, to minister to them, to draw them closer to the Lord. He knows exactly what people need to hear. But he has chosen to work through the church, through believers, just like you and me. What we have to do is we have to stay sensitive to his leading and pay attention to what he's telling us to do. And then when we do that, We can be used of God to reach people for Him. We can let our light so shine. And we can cause people to see, not because of any great thing that we are or that we've done, but because we're paying attention to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And He is on the inside of us. If you're a believer, He's on the inside of you. And He's speaking to you. Just write down in your heart that still, small voice. It says in Colossians 3, this is how you can be led by the Spirit of God. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Another version says, let it act as umpire. The peace of God act as umpire. Let it call the shots, so to speak. Wherever you have peace, that's where you need to go. And wherever you don't have peace, You need to stay away from that. That's how you can be led by the Spirit of God and that's how we can reach people for Him. Glory to God. Now we need to do this, or excuse me, we do this by being stirred up for Him. Stirring up that flame, stirring up that passion on the inside of us. That is how we can be sensitive enough to the leading of the Lord, to be used by him in these situations. Now, we've also been looking at Revelation chapter 2. This is Jesus speaking directly to a group of believers there. And Jesus Christ is the same, yesterday, today, and forever. So what he said to the churches, to the groups of believers at that point, it's still applicable for us today. Revelation 2 he's talking to them and I, I, we won't read the whole thing for time's sake but he commends them for the good things that they're doing the good works that they're doing he he says you know you you're doing good you you're doing a lot of these good things you're crossing your t's and dotting your i's you're working for the ministry you're reaching people and you're strong in the word You're not wavering. You're not being swayed by false teachers. But then down verse 4, he says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. You got so caught up in doing all of these things, doing the work of the ministry, and being strong and stalwart in the word, that you know, you're a stickler for the truth. You got so caught up in all that that you left your first love. You left the love that you had for me, Jesus said, like you had at the first. Your first love, the, the love that you had for me at the first. You left it. Now, verse five, he says, Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent. And do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Now, we introduced this last time, but I believe the Lord would have us to look a little more deeply at this today. Notice in verse 5, Jesus gives us three things. He says, He identifies the issue in verse 4 you've left your first love. And then notice in verse 5, he gives us the solution for this. The Lord doesn't just point out a problem, an issue that we might have, and just say, oh, you know what? You have an issue. You have a problem. Better get that fixed. And then turns around and walks off. No, he, he, his love for us is so that he wants to help us come up to the next level. And that's the way correction should be. It shouldn't just be criticism, pointing out your flaws. It should be, yes, identifying the issue, but then giving you the tools necessary to lift up, come up out of that situation and come up to the next level. And that's what the Lord does with us. So he identifies the issue. You've left your first love. That's verse four. Now, verse five He gives us three steps to take that we can come out of that situation and restore that first love. He says, remember, therefore, from where you are fallen. Remember where you came from. Remember the passion that you had for him at the first. Remember, this is a concise way to say it. Remember where you were, at your relationship before. This applies like we saw last time. This applies to our relationship with the Lord as well as other natural relationships with people. It can be in your marriage. It can be with your friends, with your family, with your coworkers, with your boss, whatever the case may be. If your relationship slipped and, and you realize, wait a minute, I'm not at that level where I was before. I want to get back there. So the first thing that you need to do is remember where you were before. Like we said last time, have a goal in mind. Habakkuk 2 says, this is a very popular verse with um, Christian motivational speakers and success coaches But it's, and there's a reason for that. It works. It's very true. Habakkuk 2 says, write the vision and make it plain so he may run that reads it. Write the vision, make it plain. Basically, we need to have a clearly defined end finish line, so to speak. We need to have something that we're shooting for. Like I shared with you last week, I, I grew up in the country and so we'd shoot guns, you know, it's just what you do. If you have a varmint in the yard, well, can't have that possum bothering the chickens, so boom, <laughs> away with you. Now we never did eat them. Some people would eat possum. I, I wouldn't do that. I never did do that. There's, I, I will try a lot of things. Possum is not one of them. But anyway, if you're going to shoot a gun, you don't just whip it out, close your eyes and pull the trigger. That's very unsafe. And you can wind up hitting something that you didn't want to hit. Whenever you go to shoot a gun, you have to aim it. Same thing with shooting arrows, you know, slingshot. Even in sports, You have to aim with what you're doing. Like say you're going bowling and you throw the ball. You don't just pitch it down the alley and just hope for the best. You'll wind up in the gutter or else somewhere else. (laughs) That sounds like my bowling game. No, you aim and then you make the adjustments necessary to go where you're wanting to go. You have to have something that you're aiming for. You have to have a goal to that you're that you're shooting for, so to speak. Otherwise, how will you know when you get there? So that's the first step here. Jesus says, "Remember where you fall, where you fell from. Remember the way your relationship was beforehand." And then After that, Jesus says, repent, repent. Now that is a word that has a lot of religious shrouds around it. You know, when we hear repent, sometimes we think about the the street preacher on on the sidewalk. You know, repent, you sinners, you're going to hell. And it can kind of have a negative connotation. Well, repent just simply means to change. You need to change something. I shared this illustration before. If you're driving down the interstate going north, you can repent. You can take an exit, go back under the highway, get back on and go south. That's repenting. That's changing direction. That's what repent means. It means to change. So our second step to restoring that first love, the love that we had for God at the beginning, is we need to change what we're doing. Now, I've said this several times. It's just getting stronger on the inside of me, though. And it's a, it's a very simple phrase. Just don't let it be too simple for you. If you Unless you change, nothing's going to change. Say what? Unless you change, nothing's going to change. In other words, if you don't like where you're at, then you need to quit doing what you're doing or what you have been doing and do something different. Einstein's Definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. It's not going to happen. There are laws that govern the physical world, that govern the emotional world, and that govern the spiritual world. And those laws are not, they don't play favorites. It's just like the law of gravity, it doesn't play favorites. The law of gravity doesn't care who you are, who your daddy is, how much money you make, who knows you. It doesn't care. If you jump off of the roof of a house, you're going to come down because the law of gravity works every time it's put to work. Well, it's the same thing with relationships. It's the same thing in the spirit with God. There are laws that you can put into action, and once you do that, it doesn't matter who you are, they're going to work for you, and they're going to produce this result. So until you change what you're doing, change the decisions you're making, then you're going to get the same results every time. And then our third step here that Jesus tells us is do the first works. In other words, step one, remember where you were in your relationship at first. Step two, change what you're doing. And then step three, do what you did at the first. Go back and do your first works again. So this is talking about as you're remembering where your relationship was before and you're making changes, you're stopping what you're currently doing, you're going to go back and you're going to do those things that you did at the first when your relationship was at that good point. We're talking about your relationship with the Lord. So think about when you first were born again. What did you do? What, what kind of time did you spend with the Lord? You know, maybe you got up early to spend time with Him. Maybe you talked with him, prayed with him while you prayed to him while you were driving or something, or maybe you took extra time to do devotionals or Bible studies with your friends or family or, or something like that. Whatever you did, these are those first works that Jesus was talking about. You did all of this just because you loved God, and just because you wanted to be with him and spend time with him and learn about Him. And find out what pleased him. That's why you're doing all this. You're not doing it by rote or out of legalism because you have to. You're doing it because you want to. Because you're on fire for the Lord. You have this passion that's burning on the inside of you. You've got to know God. You've got to spend time with God. There's a song that says, God is my everything. There's another song that says, singing to the Lord, it says, Jesus, you mean all the world to me. What are you saying when you you say things like that? What are you saying? You're saying, you're declaring and proclaiming your love for God. And when you love him that much, you want to spend time with him, you want to be with him, you want to do what pleases him all the time. But if we're not careful, that passion can dwindle and it can go away. The same thing is true in, in a marriage. When you're dating, oh man, you do everything for, for that girl, right? You open the door for her. You know, you, if you're, <laughs> I heard one minister say that when he was first dating um, his wife, before they were married, he would drive down the road and, and if, it, if he happened to hit a small bump, he'd look over and say, oh, I'm sorry, are, are you okay? Are you okay? You know, trying to be extra smooth while he's driving. He said five years later, I was throwing her out the window. You know, what happens? Well, we can get lax in these things. We can get lax and and let this passion, this love, wane. We can let it dwindle. Not because we're just this terrible person that, that we don't love them anymore. It's not like we fell out of love. It's just that we didn't keep ourselves stirred up. But friends, here's the good news. We can go back and stir ourselves up In our relationship with the Lord, in our relationship with our spouse, with our children, with our friends, with our family, with anyone, we can go back and stir up the passion and the love in that relationship. Go back and pick up those things that you did before. Start doing them again. You know, it may be a discipline at first. You know, you, you may discipline yourself and make yourself do this. Set your alarm. Get up on time. Get up early. Make yourself spend time with the Lord. Or if it's in a natural relationship, remember what you did before and go back and do those things. Oh, Jonathan, this just feels like I'm forcing it. Well, that's Okay. You know, a, there is a phrase, fake it till you make it. Now, generally, that's not, a good, that's not a good phrase. But the concept, we can use that for this one. We can only ride on feelings for so long. We are in charge. We can't run off of feelings. We need to tell ourselves. We need to be in charge and tell ourselves what we're doing, regardless of how we feel well, I don't feel like it. I don't care. We're doing it anyway. And when we do this, then that love and that passion is going to return. It's going to stir up on the inside of us. It's like that fire that dwindled down just to those embers, but then you started stirring it up. You threw in some small sticks on there and some leaves and you stirred it up, got some airflow going in there. And then all of a sudden, poof, here comes a little flame. And then you keep stirring it up. You're going to be able to put bigger things on there. And you're going to wind up with a big roaring blaze, just like you had before. All because you keep stirring it up. Praise the Lord. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, be sure and follow us and subscribe so that you never miss an episode of The Fortress of Truth. And be sure and join us again next time as we continue getting in the Word of God and seeing what the Lord has for us. Well, we'll see you next time on The Fortress of Truth.